0: Good. Father, thank you for the song that just points us once again to you and your goodness and the wonderful Savior. I pray now that you'd give us wisdom beyond our years and experience. May the Holy Spirit of God teach us, and may we each have an open heart to the things which we will hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. We read the verses in Acts chapter twenty. Acts chapter 20 verses 28 through 32, such powerful words for us. We've been learning about sound doctrine this year and we've talked about false doctrine and today we have uh, another subject and we're going to talk about how false doctrine is spread. We've learned that sound doctrine from God's Word is the foundation of everything we believe and how we behave. Uh, Sound doctrine, the source of sound doctrine, sound meaning healthy, doctrine meaning teaching. The source of sound doctrine is the Word of God, uh, and we've talked about that. But what is the opposite of sound doctrine? And the answer is false doctrine. Sound doctrine is healthy truth. False doctrine are lies. They are fake truths. Things that are presented as truth, but they are not. False doctrines are corrupted teachings from God's word. I think that makes sense. I think in our world today, we're all finding so many things that have just been true for so long, and now there's people openly saying, no, that thing that's been true forever, that's not true anymore. And if you think it's true, they'll just tell you to sit down, be quiet, and berate you, and call you a hater, or an ism, or something like that. And it just doesn't make any sense. And so many people are buying into this. It's like, how how can so many decent, seemingly intelligent people buy into things that have no basis in God's truth or in seeming reality as far as it's ever been known. And what we've found is that once you get unanchored from the Word of God, there is no telling where your boat's going to drift. You can drift into anything. The Bible talks about being blown about by every wind of doctrine. Whatever new thing comes along, people buy into it because they don't have a a strong foundation in the Word of God. And we often think of of doctrine as, from a religious point of view, theological doctrine, and that's important. But of course, there's false doctrines about creation and life and, and human nature and all these things as well, and the Bible speaks to all of that. So if sound doctrine from God's Word is healthy teaching... And Satan is working to spread false doctrine. That's the opposite of sound doctrine. How does Satan spread false doctrine? What's the method he uses? And the Bible's very clear. False teachers. So there's something in the Bible, faithful preachers and faithful teachers that faithfully talk about what God's word says. And then there are these things called false apostles, they're called in the Bible, false prophets, false preachers, false teachers. These are the people who uh, are propagating or preaching or spreading the false doctrines that are contrary to the Word of God. And it's important for us to remember that Satan corrupts God's plan, Satan is not a creator. God, only God, has the power to create something out of nothing. Satan can't create anything. All he can do is corrupt what God has already made. So Satan copies God and corrupts God's perfect plan and God's truth. God uses faithful preachers to spread sound doctrine. This grows his people and builds his churches. And in contrast, Satan uses false preachers to spread false doctrine, and this hurts God's people and corrupts God's churches. Have you ever had someone tell you something that wasn't true? I think we all have, haven't we? Now, there's two kinds of people that tell you things that aren't true. The first kind is they really thought they knew what was right, but they were wrong. Right? We've all had people tell us something They were very sincere, but they were sincerely wrong. And we've also had someone tell us something that they knew wasn't true in an effort to deceive us. The same goes with false teachers and false prophets. They come in many forms. Some false teachers knowingly spread falsehood as servants of the evil one. They don't believe it. They know it's not true, but they have some motivation for uh, preaching this stuff. Sometimes it's for, for their own personal profit, their own personal gain. Uh, sometimes it's, it's for fame or uh, fortune. Sometimes it's simply that they are on the wrong side. And I'm going to show you in the Bible in a little bit how sometimes Satan ministers, transforms himself into an in, uh, a, a minister of light. They know that they're wrong, and they're trying to deceive people. So some false teachers knowingly spread falsehood. Other false teachers are sincere, but terribly wrong. Matter of fact, the Bible says some false teachers are going to be surprised one day to find out that they're not even going to heaven. Is that what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7? I'll read it for you. Matthew chapter 7, verses 20 through 23. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. That's a warning about false teachers. Then Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. The will of the Father is to be born again. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? These were preachers. Lord, I... We pastored a church, we were an evangelist, we, we were on the radio, we were on the TV, we, we told people about you. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils. They, they did spiritual works in the name of God. It goes on to say, and in thy name done many wonderful works. But remember, it's not good works that get you into heaven. It's faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ that gets us to heaven. In verse 23, Jesus said, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There are false teachers that are going to be shocked to find out they don't even get to go to heaven. There are a lot of people who are sincerely wrong. Have you ever known someone like that? Now, we can't put all false teachers found in the Bible and that we find in the world, we can't put them all in the same category. If you think about false teachers on a spectrum, and on one end is they've got, they're saved, they're born again, but they've got some hurtful doctrines. They are slightly wrong. They've got some hurtful doctrines, some things that the Bible doesn't teach, but they're preaching the gospel. They are, uh, uh, are going to go to heaven They believe a lot of right things, but they have some serious, hurtful doctrines. We'll call those folks over here slightly wrong. But then on the other end, you have very wrong, completely false. These are people that don't believe what they say, they're uh, instruments of the evil one. And all false teachers can be found somewhere along this spectrum. The good news is that false teachers can learn the truth and start preaching the right thing. We found several people in the book of Acts where they realized they weren't preaching the right thing and they made a a turnaround and became a powerful preacher. I think about the preacher Apollos found in the Bible. He was still preaching the baptism of John in the book of Acts, and, and after God had established the New Testament church age, he was still preaching the baptism of John. And Aquila and Priscilla, two church members that were faithful helpers of Paul and had a, had a, a house in their church, they took Apollos to the side and said, no, no, you've, you've got your doctrine wrong. Let's teach you what, what God said. Apollos made a turnaround and became a powerful preacher for Jesus, mightily convincing people of the truth. And so just because someone's wrong today doesn't mean they can't change and learn the truth and that's been all throughout history the thing is we've got to be teachable and I'm going to show you that the word of God's what what matters so how do we know what to preach the rightly dividing the word of God how do we know if a doctrine's right or wrong rightly dividing the word of God that's why every week we open the Bible and I want you to see the words I want you to to look at the 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 Bible and see it and know that I'm not just pulling this out of my hat and we're not talking about Chapmanology up here. We're not, we're not reading out of the PCV, the Paul Chapman version. Uh, I'm not giving you what I think. I'm not giving you my philosophies. I'm giving you what the Bible says. And sometimes I'll count up how many verses I have in my sermon outline. Don't worry, we won't get to all these today. I have 48 Bible verses in my sermon outline today. Oh, boy. And now, thanks to Brother Lee, we're going to look at every one of them. And a fully exegete every verse, line by line. And it's, it's 48 verses in here. I'm not just pulling this out of my hat. Uh, I'm, I'm studying the scriptures, trying to find out what does God say? How does this apply to our lives following very specific uh, guidelines of interpretation to rightly divide the Word of God? And so it's the Word of God that teaches us What sound doctrine is, it also shows us what false doctrine is, and it shows us uh, false preachers. It exposes them. Look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. We'll come back. Hold your place there. or Put something there at Acts chapter 20. We'll come back to it. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, let me, let me help you this morning. Do you love me? Okay, if you don't love me, do you like me? Do you, are you willing to tolerate me for a little while? Uh, I'm probably going to say some things today that some of you in the room are going to be like, What? What? Did he just say that? Is he, did, he, did he say that person? Did he do that? Did he mention that? Because in order to show you what the Bible says, sometimes we have to point out some things of where we have begun to give someone an ear or a doctrine an ear that's not biblical at all. I remember one year I was home from Bible college, and I wasn't married yet, and I came home, and and I was just sitting there uh, in a room by myself, and everybody was busy, but I was worn out. I think I'd driven and worked the night before and driven through the night and different things. So the next day I'm just kind of recuperating a little bit on some kind of semester break, and I'm flipping through. And I come to the religious station, and man, there's this preacher on here, and he is, as they say in the Midwest, he's shucking the corn. I mean, he's he's preaching along, and man, I I, he was captivating, and I stopped it, and I'm like, oh, that was good. And he's saying stuff, and I was like, man, that's that's good. And he used an illustration that was beautiful, and he's dynamic, and and uh, just just. Wow, that was good, and that was good, and that was good. So I listened to him for probably 15 minutes, and then we get into the invitation, and his invitation had the wrong gospel. And here's a guy who's a a wonderful preacher who's not preaching the truth. And by the way, dear friend, if you get the gospel wrong, nothing else you say matters. And I thought, wow, I've been listening to a heretic for 15 minutes, you know? I joke with people. He's my favorite heretic. And uh, there's a lot of people that, that we listen to sometimes that are captivating, and they may say some good things and even some helpful things. But you don't know that if you listen to them long enough, they are leading you down a road that's going to hurt you. And so we got to be careful of these things. The Bible's very clear uh, about. Some preach the gospel as God intended, faithful preachers, thankfully, and then some preach the whole counsel of God. They, they really try to divide the word and, 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 and dig in and teach you exactly what the Bible says. Some preachers, they preach the gospel as God intended, but then they deviate from the Bible in ways that corrupt God's word and hurt God's people and, and detour God's mission. And then there are some that are just totally wrong. But here the Bible warns us, one of the many warnings, 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 1, now the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly or definitely that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Why would they depart from the faith? The faith here not being faith in Christ necessarily, it can mean that, but the faith in the Word of God talks about the entire body of doctrine things that God intends his people to believe and we've talked about that some on Wednesday night so these shall depart from the faith why did they depart giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils a seducing spirits these these personalities these spirits that that seduce us into believing what doctrines of devils some things are not just incorrect they're they're absolutely wrong. It's it's truth versus anti-truth. It's truth versus the exact opposite of truth. And we're seeing that a lot today where the exact opposite of truth is being called true. There's a difference between being slightly wrong and being the exact opposite of, of right. Completely wrong. Now, what were some of these things they were talking about? Forbidding to marry. You know, some people think that it's wrong to get married. Specifically, some people think it's wrong for preachers to get married. Now, do you love me? Yeah, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. The Catholic Church teaches that priests should not get married. That's a false doctrine. That's nowhere in the Bible. It's nowhere in the Bible. Not one place. Nothing even close. And the Bible says one of these seducing spirits, one of these doctrines of devils is going to teach people that marriage is not a good idea for you. And specifically talking about the, the preacher, it'd be wrong. Sometimes people ask me, they're like, oh, you're a preacher, but you're married. I'm like, Yeah, it's God's plan. There's a doctrine going around today just in popular culture that it's a bad thing to get married. Let me encourage you young people. If you marry the right person, if you marry in God's will, marriage is a wonderful thing. It's not easy, but it is wonderful. And let me encourage you, if you're already married, you say, well, maybe I married the wrong person. If you're already married, then God says you married the right person because that person became God's will for you. But imagine this idea of forbidding to marry. You love me? Few of you, I lost a few of you there. Not quite as vigorous in the affirmation. Look at the next one, and commanding to abstain from meats. Watch this. Vegetarianism is not from God. If you need to eat a certain way because of your health, that's different. But this idea that you should not eat meat. That's not from God. That's a doctrine of devils. Veganism, if you have to eat that way for your health, if you choose to eat that way, then I might just want to go to heaven if I can't have butter. I'm just going to throw it out there. Like, if you take butter from my life, I might just want to go to heaven. I'm not sure. Like, if I had to choose between an apple and a stick of butter, um, uh, I'd choose the apple. But barely. But uh, this idea that people imposing—watch this—this idea of people imposing, you shouldn't eat meat. Those poor, precious animals. That's not from God. The idea that you you, you should eat all this or you should eat all that—that's not from God. And God tells us why. Look, let's read on. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Watch this, verse 4. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. That's why we don't eat according to the Old Testament dietary laws. Now, if you want to eat according to the Old Testament dietary laws, it is a much healthier uh, diet. God gave them those rules for a reason. It's certainly a healthier diet. But the Bible says everything. If you're, if you're thankful for it, that's why we pray over our food. Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for providing it. Help it be nourishment to our bodies. The Bible says there's nothing that shouldn't be eaten. Now, there's things that I don't want to eat. <laughs> there's things that I don't want to eat. Some people eat glands and, and all this kind of stuff. I tell people, they're like, what do what you not like? And I'm like, I'm easy. If it's not an organ or a gland, I'm usually pretty good. Uh, although snails and stuff like that, I've never eaten a snail. Uh, I know that some of you people, it's like the snail salad. The Italians love a snail salad. I'll take your word for it. One of these days, I might be able to try it with you. <clears throat> but where I grew up, we didn't eat snails. A matter of fact, you throw salt on them or something, slugs and snails, and they were a nuisance. But uh, some people eat glands and, and uh, heart. In, when I was working with Spanish people for seven years, they loved to eat stomach soup, cow stomach soup, menudo. They would love to eat tripas, which is basically a taco with intestines. Doesn't that sound, doesn't that sound good? Uh, cow's tongue was a, a common taco. Uh, some of you look like you're getting sick, getting a little green there. Uh, it's amazing how good things taste when you don't know what's in it, Right? <laughs> Sometimes you're like, wow, this is pretty good, and then you find out what it is, and you're like, ugh. But these are, these are things that are going around today and becoming part of this New Age popular culture. They're absolutely unbiblical. And it's a, a, these things are a sign of the times, if you will. Uh, look at, at uh, verse 7. But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Don't get caught up in all these weird doctrines here, these weird thoughts over here. Focus on godliness, focus on what God said, focus on being a godly Christian. If you are born again, if you are a Christian, That means there's been a time in your life you've recognized you're a sinner. You've realized you can't go to heaven without a Savior. You realize Jesus is the Savior. He died on the cross to pay for our sin, was buried, and rose again. And he says, whosoever will may come, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We have in faith called upon Christ for salvation. The Bible says all your sins get washed away. Praise God. It's a pretty good deal. He took all of our sin and suffered for it upon him. And through heart faith, he's willing to give us his eternal righteousness and we get to go to heaven. Uh, if, if that's you, if you've been born again, we need to exercise ourselves unto godliness. We need to strive to live like God. What the Bible says. So some people preach the gospel and they get kind of off in these different ways. Some people preach a totally false gospel. Listen to Galatians chapter one verses six and seven. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So these are people who are teaching a false way to heaven. Let me encourage you. doesn't matter how personable someone is. doesn't matter how much knowledge they have in a certain area. If they're a religious teacher teaching you the wrong way to go to heaven, run. Run. Don't listen to that. Don't give that near. Run from that. The Bible says, look at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. Now, how do, how do we know what is a false teacher and what is not a false teacher? How do you know I'm not a false teacher? How do you know the person you're listening to on YouTube or the radio or the TV is not a false preacher? And if, if they do have some falsehood, where is it on the spectrum? Is it a little bit of falsehood where, yeah, they're teaching the right gospel, but that's, that's hurtful and that's going to hurt God's, God's people and mission. Or, wow, this is not even close to being the truth under the guise of Christianity. The Bible says that we must test all preaching and teaching against the Word of God. Look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit's, "...whether they are of God or from God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the, that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world." Then I love verse four, year of God, little children, and have overcome them, whom the false prophets, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, speaking of the devil. So we have the victory as God's people. We have the victory because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. But there are false prophets teaching falsehood. The number one test of whether someone's a false prophet or not is what do they say about Jesus? What do they say about Jesus? If they say Jesus is not the sinless Son of God, they're a false prophet. Right. Amen. That's what the Bible says. They're a false prophet. If they say Jesus did not die on the cross for your sin, Jesus is not enough for you to go to heaven, they are not saying what God said about Christ. They fail the first test of a false prophet. Look at Acts chapter 17 heading back to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17. So we need to compare what someone is saying to the Scriptures. In Acts chapter 17, we find God talking about these people called the Bereans and comparing them with the Thessalonians. Now, the Thessalonians were, were congratulated because they so readily believed the Word of God. The Apostle Paul came through preaching, They believed him immediately. They saw that it was the word of God. They got saved and within two to three weeks they had a functioning church in the city of Thessalonica. Miraculous. It became a a great story of inspiration to Christians all over the, the area. But what if it hadn't been the Apostle Paul? What if it had been a false prophet come in? Perhaps they would have readily believed the false prophet. And look at... Acts chapter 17 and verse 10, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went to the synagogue of the Jews. Look at verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind, and searched the scripture daily whether those things were so. Verse 12 Therefore, many of them believed. And so the Bereans still had a readiness to accept what was was said, but they went the extra step and said, let's look at the Old Testament and let's see what the Old Testament says about the Messiah. And they would listen to the Apostle Paul preach and then they would take what he said and they would go compare it to Scripture. And because of that, many of them believed. You know, that's why your preacher's always trying to get you into the Bible. Get into the Bible. Read your Bible every day. Pick a, pick a chapter every day and read it. A chapter of Psalms, a chapter of Proverbs, a chapter of, of the Gospel of John. Start somewhere. Read your Bible every day. If you hear something, if you hear me say something or, or another preacher say something that you're not sure about, compare it to the Scriptures. Where do we find that in the scripture? Come and ask me questions and say, hey, preacher, you said this and I'm not sure about this. Or I heard another somebody say this and I'm not sure if I should listen to them. What's the Bible say about this? That is the, the attitude of a Berean. And I say it often, God's not afraid of your questions. God's not afraid of science. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your intellect. He's not afraid of logic. Matter of fact, if you apply any of those things into a sincere study of God's Word, it'll do nothing but lead you to faith in Christ and deepen your faith. Isn't that good? So we've got to be careful. The way, the way that we figure this out is by comparing a doctrine with Scripture to find out if it's faithful or false. God describes false teachers as cruel, Acts chapter 20 Verse 29. He describes him as deceitful, 2 Corinthians chapter eleven, verse 13. Covetousness, uh, covetous Titus 1:11. Ungodly, Judges chapter 1, proud and ignorant, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Corrupt and reprobate, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 8. And so God has an awful lot to say about false teachers. God says, I, I know the truth, I've given you the truth, I want you to know sound doctrine. But God says there are some people that are going to be teaching and spreading false doctrine. Don't listen to them. Because you know what happens if you listen to the devil long enough? Eventually he'll convince you. Just ask Eve. Eve didn't set out to sin. Matter of fact, she didn't have a sin nature. She had no desire to sin. She had no compunction to sin. But if you listen to the devil long enough, He'll convince you. And you'll find yourself doing things, believing things that you never thought possible. So we have to know who to listen to, and we do that by comparing with Scripture. Now let's look at Acts chapter 20, and we will uh, give you these things. Long introduction to some short thoughts here. Acts chapter 20 Verses 28 through 32, the the Apostle Paul was saying goodbye to the preachers in Asia Minor outside of Ephesus. Uh, He's heading back to Jerusalem. He's going to be in prison for the next few years, and eventually his life's going to end in in martyrdom. He's saying goodbye to these preachers, and they'd come from Asia Minor to hear him. He had been their example and mentor for many years, but this was the last time he would see them. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul taught them many valuable lessons. It'd be worth your study to go through and see what all he told them and and why he said these things. But in this final message to these preachers, he couldn't leave without warning them of the dangers of false teachers. And this was our text. Let me give you just five quick thoughts uh, this morning. Number one, false teachers are determined, False teachers are determined. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. There is a determination of, this, of these false teachers to enter the flock. False teachers are looking for someone to listen to them. They're trying to build a following. Uh, they... Just like when you go fishing, you want to go where the fish are. Where do God's people gather? They gather in churches. And so uh, false teachers are determined to enter churches. It's far easier to corrupt an existing church than to do the work of building one from scratch on error. We see this all the time. Churches get corrupted. Churches that used to believe the truth. Every legacy church in every New England town Almost every one of them at one time believed the gospel. The big huge churches on Main Street in towns all over New England where you go in there and you couldn't get saved if you were looking for salvation with a magnifying glass. I have literally witnessed to pastors in New England who didn't know what it meant to be saved. They didn't know what it meant to be born again. One guy particularly said, this conversation's making me uncomfortable, please leave. And I'm a pastor talking to a pastor about Jesus. Almost every one of these churches at one point preached the gospel of Jesus Christ just like we do here. But what happened? They got corrupted. And false teachers are determined to get their false doctrine out. They often target churches. False teachers are abundant on TV and radio and online. They seek to steal the hearts and minds of God's people everywhere, often enriching themselves in the process. No honest preacher goes into the ministry to get rich. If God blesses somebody, that's one thing. But oftentimes you'll find people preaching clear, obvious false doctrine are also very, very wealthy. Matter of fact, I've got a handkerchief here that I've prayed over, and for uh, for three easy installments of 19.99, uh, this could be yours, and it it will see how that works. But wasn't that smooth? No, it yeah, wasn't. Well, yeah, that wasn't smooth at all. We'll have an auction for for the pastor's handkerchief. It'll heal you. Uh, <clears throat> some false teachers set up churches that appeal to the flesh and then work to attract people from traditional Bible-preaching churches, this happens all over. There are churches all all over the world now where it's basically a rock concert with some preaching at the end. Come as you are, leave as you came, come and let's have a good time, and then we'll we'll, uh, uh, just talk about Jesus a little bit at the end. Now, if you want to call that an evangelistic something or whatever, but don't call it church. Uh, we need to get back to church as it was in the Book of Acts. No doubt, false teachers are determined. Number two, uh, false teachers are destructive. We find in verse twenty-nine: "For I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock." Notice that phrase: "not sparing the flock." Uh, they they are destructive. Some false teachers say things that are true and helpful. And remember, every good lie has a measure of truth. It's just the lie that kills you. If I have my, my tea here that helps my throat, uh, if, if it's 99.9% water and just, uh, just a fraction of a percent of poison, that fraction of a percent could be enough to kill me. And that's the way it is with false doctrine. Depending on the doctrine, it's not necessarily the amount of false doctrine that is so destructive, it's what the false doctrine is. Some false doctrines are destructive over time in small doses. Some false doctrines kill you right now uh, and and stop your spiritual heart uh, pushing you away from God and the truth. And so uh, these false teachers are destructive. They destroy lives, they corrupt churches, they pervert God's truth, they hurt God's people. Allowing a false teacher in your home or church is like opening the gate of a sheepfold to a ravenous wolf. It's like letting a a pit viper loose in your home. You may be okay for a lot of days in a row, but one of these days you're going to have a bad day and it might just kill you. And so we've got to be careful of this. We learned that number one, false teachers are determined. Number two, false teachers are destructive. Number three, false teachers are deceitful. Look at verse 30. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And so notice they're speaking perverse things or corrupt things, and their intention is to draw people away, to draw disciples after them. False, false teachers don't come up to you and say, Hi, I'm a false teacher. Would you hear what I got to say? Matter of fact, false teachers are often charming they're gifted, they're well spoken, they're interesting, they're intelligent, they're captivating. But all that doesn't matter if they're not telling you the truth. The holy scripture warns that Satan's ministers can transform themselves to look like angels of light. Let me read a verse to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 13 through 15, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be conformed or be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Remember, it's not Satan's goal to be Satan, it's Satan's goal to be God. So he transforms himself into God, he wants to be God. And he's very good at this deceitfulness. Where do false prophets come from? We see in verse 30, it says, And also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things. Sometimes false prophets come from inside the church. There's only three ways they can get inside the church. The first is we unknowingly let them in. And so sometimes we're very careful, I try to be very careful about what pastors we allow to come in, what preachers, evangelists we allow to come in, what missionaries we allow to come in, because we don't want a false, false doctrine to be spread from the pulpit, of course, and so we've got to be careful. Sometimes when a, a church picks a new pastor, they unknowingly pick someone that doesn't believe the truth. And that changes the whole church. We've seen it over and over again. And so we've got to be careful. Uh, Sometimes the second way is is a lack of spiritual growth. Every Christian has to have room to grow. Every new Christian believes things that aren't true. When I first got saved, the only thing I knew and was probably right about when it came to religious things was Jesus is the Savior. That's the only thing I got right. If you'd asked me about anything else, I would have given you false doctrine very sincerely. But everybody has to know that we don't get saved knowing all these things. So that's why whenever you hear preaching and sometimes a preacher steps on your toes, it's like, oh, or man, I'm doing that and he says I shouldn't, or I'm not doing that and he says I should, or I've never heard that before. That's why you got to compare everything to the Word of God. Every new Christian has to be willing to grow to become more like Jesus. But occasionally, a church member will will come to church or maybe join a church or they will get saved in the church but then they will hold on to a false doctrine they learned from a previous church or experience and then they'll try to teach others that false doctrine within the church and we have to be careful of that. And then lastly they're corrupted from within the church. False teachers recruit from churches just like ours. You listen to someone on TV, you listen to someone online, you watch a guy on YouTube and Next thing you know, he's he's teaching something different and you're like, wow, I've never seen that before. And, and now it's like, well, the, the preacher's wrong and all of these things. We got to be careful about that because sometimes the Bible says, of your own selves shall men arise. And this is a problem. Number four, false teachers are domineering. They say to draw away disciples after them and They're looking to gather a group for themselves. And like I said, often to enrich themselves or to get some type of fame. Let me show you lastly, number five, false teachers are denounced. Look back at verse 28, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath. Purchased with his own blood, verse 29, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Notice God calls these false teachers grievous wolves, and he calls the, the church the flock. And so wolves are the natural predators of sheep. Sheep have no natural defense against the wolves. It's only the shepherd. The shepherd is the one that defends the sheep. And God calls upon a, a faithful pastor to oversee the church. We see that in the Scripture here in verse 28, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. So every pastor whose God called the Holy Spirit brought them to that church. The, the Holy Spirit moved upon the church members to call that preacher, moved upon the, the preacher to say yes and come. And then that the pastor's job, one of his duties is to be a bishop or an overseer. Bishop is just a Bible word that means overseer. And he's, he's the one to protect the church and to feed the church. So it's the pastor's duty to protect the church against false teaching and false preachers. The Bible's very clear about that. And how do we handle false preachers? The Bible says in 2 John chapter 10, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Don't bless them. Don't give false teachers an ear. Number two, it says avoid them. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, avoid false teachers, false preachers. Whether they're slightly wrong but have destructive uh, doctrines or they're preaching a false gospel, avoid them. And then lastly, the Bible says expose them. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. There's a lot of false teachers out there. We don't have time today to, to point any of them out. I'm not opposed to it, and I have a list here, but we don't have time for that today. There's a lot of people out there that have huge followings that have devastating false doctrine, and we have to make sure we're not giving them an ear. Amen. Now, I want you to look at me. I would have much rather preached about heaven preached about the cross, preached about uh, the comfort of grace. This is a needed lesson in 2023. Churches are being corrupted at an alarming rate. And this church has been here for 185 years. It's incumbent upon me and us if we're going to stay faithful to sound doctrine until Jesus comes. And that means we have to be able to recognize false doctrine. We have to be able to identify false teachers. And we have to be able to propagate the truth. If you're here this morning, you're not sure you're saved. Maybe you've believed some other false doctrine. Maybe you come from a, a different background that says you've got to be good to go to heaven. Or you've got to do some religious efforts to go to heaven. I'm glad to tell you that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He's the way to heaven. And simple faith and trust in Him is the path to forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth that we were able to look at this morning. I pray that you'd help us to compare all truths and all philosophies with the Scripture. America was a much better place when she was Rested upon the scriptures. Churches are much, much stronger when they rest upon the scriptures. All of our lives are improved and strengthened when we rest upon the sound doctrine. And I pray today you'd give us just a lot of wisdom, a lot of help. Protect us. And Lord, teach us the truth so we can be students of your word. Lord, save those that need saving, help our church to, to continue to spread the gospel. Thank you for those that were born again this week through the ministries of our church. And I pray that you would...